Hey, it's good to have all of you here tonight. We just have a few minutes, and I'm just going to jump in a little bit to the Word. It's good to have the, the women's lacrosse team in the house tonight. Can we give it up for the PBA women's lacrosse team? Awesome, awesome. Good to have each of you. And as, as Julie said, if you're a first-time guest, welcome. We'd love to get to know you. We have a, get, a gift out there for you if you just fill out one of those connection cards, and we'll keep you up to date on all that's happening at the harbor. We're going to be here every first Sunday of the month. And then we have eight small groups meeting all over uh, this area, all over this county. Incredible eight different small groups from Boca all the way up to Jupiter. And we'd love, love, love for you to get involved in one of those. They start next week, okay? So after next Sunday, they launch the following week, and we'd love to get you plugged in. Actually, tonight, what I'm going to look at just briefly is uh, the important of real re- importance of real relationships, I remember when we moved to, to South Florida 15 years ago, one of the things that struck me about this community was how isolated people really were. You know, there's a lot of factors that go on down here that I think keep people isolated from one another. And um, I think God is up to building family, as Julie mentioned. I mean, real relationships are, I think, the most valuable commodity on the planet right now. Like real, true relationships And I think we need it more than ever in the body of Christ in the church. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. You know, when I was thinking about Jesus and everything Jesus ever did, how many of you know it was an example for us to actually do ourselves? So when you look at the life and ministry of Jesus and what he exhibited on this earth through his everyday life, it wasn't just to do it himself. It was actually to show us what's possible for us to do. In fact, one of the things I thought about was, um, and in fact, this is going on right now. This is a mystery. It's, it's a profound thought to think about. But before the throne of the Father, Jesus is up there right now thinking about you and me, thinking about our lives, and he's advocating for us before the throne. And we know simultaneously at the same exact time, there's an adversary that we face every day in life that's there as well, advocating against us and this is what life is is like really it's 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 a tension it's a battle there's there's a struggle and so if Jesus is advocating for us in heaven and we see that example how many of you know that we should be advocating for one another on the earth and we should be standing with one another through the victories and the beautiful times but most of all in those times when we really need somebody have you ever felt like completely alone and just like, didn't even know if you're going to make it. Stuff was getting inside of your head. You know, uh, lots of thoughts swirling around. And just one phone call or one text or someone coming over and say, hey, I felt like you really needed someone here tonight. Man, that'll just change the game completely. Amen? And so what I'm going to talk about tonight is, is this whole concept of being an advocate. But just to get there, I want to just lay a, cu- a couple of foundations because what I'm going to share with you tonight, it, it really is not about information, It's about revelation. And I know that sounds kind of spiritual. I'm going to explain that to you. But it's not something that you can just be taught and then and then have understanding. It's something that that God kind of has to take you on a journey uh, through to really to really help you to comprehend what he's trying to communicate. And in fact, for many of you, this illustration is not going to exactly connect, but you'll get it one day. I remember when my wife and I were having our first child, Savannah, and um, it's, it's pretty typical of, of first-time parents to go through what's called a birthing class, you know? 
Listen, I'm just going to save, the, the, save this and just put this up front right here. A birthing class is the biggest waste of your time on the planet. And the reason is, is because it's all information and absolutely no revelation. In other words, you're going to sit in this class, and this is what Wendy and I did. We sat in this class, and they taught us all these breathing exercises and all these things that we were going to do at the birth of our child. And let me tell you, when that day hit, all that stuff was out the window. It was complete information that had no relevance to the moment. In fact, I remember the first time Wendy went into what we thought was contractions and full-blown labor. We went to the hospital, and, you know, we have all of our stuff, her overnight bag. I mean, we're going to settle in. It's, it's like we think this is it. It's, 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 it's on. And the nurses are kind of looking at us like, and I didn't know what they were thinking at the time, but they're like, these people are going home in any minute. They're going to sit with the doctor, and they're going home because they know by revelation, because they've seen it, what real labor looks like, you know? It's not just something they study in a textbook. Oh, when you go into labor, you start having some contractions, they're consistent. No, when you're in labor, it's not you waltzing in the hospital, smiling with your blanket. It's like, ah! You know? And they, and they know that. They've seen that before. So, so we're going to look at like a moment where Jesus is, is setting Peter up um, to get some revelation because that was what was going to help him to operate and function in his life and be successful in his life. So Matthew chapter 16, Julie actually taught on this this morning. I'm going to teach from a completely different angle this morning or tonight, but I'd, I'd encourage you to check out what she spoke on uh, today in Pompano. It was awesome. But look at this with me. Um, Jesus says to, to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now look at this. He says, whatever you forbid on the earth will be forbidden in heaven. So there's this connection between heaven and earth. A lot of times we think it's separate. It's not. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a close connection between heaven and earth because of Jesus. He's a bridge. He's a link. He's a ladder between here and there. It's not like that is just a one-day reality. It's actually something that he wants us to pull into the now. So he says, I'm going to give you a key, and what it's going to do is it's going to link your ability to forbid things... Um, on the earth, and they'll be forbidden in heaven. And he says also things that you're going to permit on the earth that will be permitted in heaven. So there's a, there's a role that we have in society that we can determine some of that change through understanding, you know, through revelation that we can, we can grasp from the Lord. And, and so here's the context. Jesus had taken these guys up to this area of the city called Caesarea Philippi. I've been there. It's in the Golan Heights of Israel. And he takes them to this place. Now, this was a really, really interesting city because it was filled with religion and idolatry and fear. That was the culture of the place because what they would do is they would throw people off the top of this mountain, and it's still there to this day, and they would throw them down into this hole that was called the gates of hell. And they would sacrifice them to this god called Peneus. Now, if you look up the god Peneus, and some of you may have seen this in, in, in textbooks or history books, but it's, it's the, uh, the body of a goat with the head of a man, and then he has some horns on the top of his head. And it's, it's where we get the English word panic. And they would sacrifice people off of this mountain into the gates of hell to appease the God of fear. And if you think about this, it was a religious culture in a bad sense because they were just doing an external action to appease an idol 
that they should have been dominating with the love of God that was, should, should have been ruling inside of their hearts. And Jesus takes them to this place, and it's in this place that he asks them the most profound question. He says, who do you say that I am? Now, just tag-teaming off of Julie's message this morning, that was an identity statement or question about who Jesus was. Because if they could understand that through revelation, there would be an open door for their own hearts to understand who they were. And, and that's, that's the massive deal with all of our lives and the journey with our life is, is, is to understand who God is and then in doing so, understand who we are. Be rooted in our own identity. Okay? And so he brings them to this place. He says, who do you say that I am? And then they, they start off, well, so-and-so says this and other people say that. And then he says, no, 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 no. I have a question for you. Who do you say that I am? And then Peter, in this divine moment, that's not informational, he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, hey, no man has given this information to you. The Father has revealed it to you. He's given you a piece of information that is going to shut down and shut off religion and shut down and shut off fear. Because that's when he says, hey... Here's the deal, uh, Peter. Um, I'm going to build my church, and uh, you're just going to go ahead and steward these pieces of revelation that I'm going to give you. And hell itself, which if you really think what hell is really, just the, the horrific realities of what hell is like, and we're talking like hell on earth. Hell on earth is religion that has no power to overcome fear that is reaping panic in people's lives right now on the planet. In fact, if you look at what's going on in today's culture, I mean, it is an epidemic to experience right now, people experiencing anxiety, and people running here, running there, being medicated. And, and, and it's, it's because we don't have this right now to offer to the world, and it's going to come and be solved through friendship. And I believe that the keys of the kingdom are keys of revelation to actually transform culture. Because that's what this is all about. Like, we have been given uh, the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, revelation that he is, in fact, truly the Messiah. I mean, this is what Israel was looking for the, the whole time. They were waiting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for him to come because he was going to make all wrong things right on the earth. And when he shows up, they just couldn't see him for who he really was. That's why he's saying, hey, you guys, who am I? you gotta, you got to get some understanding of who I am so that you can understand who you are because then when I give you this revelation, you're going to go and you're going to transform society. Everything that was, was made wrong, you were looking for me to solve all of that. I'm going to empower an army of thousands and thousands of people to go and do that. And you're part of that, that calling. But here's... here's Just back to my story, to my illustration, a key is, is revealed. It... it it, it can't really be taught. It's something you got to walk through. It's something you got to hunger for and thirst for and say, man, I want to understand um, the reality of this, of this revelation. And so here's what I want to do just for the last few minutes that we have. I just want to give you one key um, that I believe is going to completely transform culture. And then what I want you to do is I want you to take this one key. Hopefully it won't be here. It'll go down into the heart. And I want you to go and I want you to practice it this week. Practice it the next week and the week after that until we come back again. Look at this with me in John chapter 13 quickly. Verse 4, Jesus gets up from the table. 
took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, the same one that he said, hey, I'm going to give you these keys, um, Simon Peter asked him a question. He says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, hey, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. I feel like that with my kids. I try to tell them something, and I, I'm, they, it's not, just not getting through. Any parents understand what I'm talking about? And then you're like, you, you're not getting this now, but one day you're going to understand. That's how Jesus was with Peter. But Peter, in verse 8, look what he says. He says, no, Peter pro- protested. You will never wash my feet. Now check this out. Jesus is trying to give Peter a key of revelation that's going to empower him to change the world. And, and let me tell you, Jesus is so serious about culture and the culture of the king, kingdom, the keys of the kingdom, that he says, hey, Peter, here's the deal. Unless I wash you, you can't belong to me. So there's no compromise that he's going to allow Peter to do in the space, bring in the space that he's in to try and water down or detour the culture that Jesus is trying to bring to this disciple of his. The one that actually is going to be used mightily to give birth to the New Testament church. Here's what I think that, that we've really struggled with in, in the church of Jesus Christ. I think that, that God is really trying to, to, to link uh, us here on the earth with heaven more than we know. And try to get us to understand what heaven's all about. And what the Father's all about. And what Jesus is all about. And what the Holy Spirit is all about. Like, what really is their culture? What does it look like there? How does it operate there? Is, is there sickness in heaven? Is there, is there garbage laying all over the streets of heaven? Is there, is there, is there, is there depression in heaven? Is there, is there confusion in heaven? Is there hopelessness in that place? Well, I don't know about you, but I've come to understand that that's not the case. That there's beauty in heaven where there was once ashes, you know? There's joy where there's been mourning. There's praise where there's been heaviness. It's like we see so much stuff on the earth, you know, and get so inundated by it and so culturalized to a new normal that's not supposed to ever have been our normal, that God is like, listen, I've got to give you understanding so that you can get a new mindset on what life is supposed to look like. I'm trying to teach you some stuff that, 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 that me and the Father and Holy Spirit are all about and how we operate and how things are supposed to be, and I'm trying to restore you back to the original intent that I had for humanity, for the earth, for mankind. And I'm trying to teach you these keys so that when you get them inside of you, not through understanding, but through experience, then you can go and you can give this away to the world. And unless I do this or you allow me to do this, you can't even have a part in me, Peter. Jesus takes a hard stand on culture. It's, it's a really big passion in his heart. So here's the key. You ready for this? This is the key that's going to change your life. And it's so simple, but we have such a hard time doing it. It's this. You must first receive before you're able to give. And here's an example of how we think. We try to work for love instead of from love. We try to work for approval 
instead of from the place of approval. I think so often we don't even know what really transpired on the cross or how how Jesus looks at us or how the Father looks at us, what our true identity is as ones created in his image and, and what exactly took place on the cross of Calvary that broke off all the shame, the condemnation, the religion, the self-effort that we try to perfect righteousness within ourselves through the actions of our lives. And unless we first receive from God, it's going to be impossible for us to actually give anything of value away. So Peter says, then wash my hands, my feet, my head, everything. I mean, Peter is, he's just, all the extremes, right? Just, you know, one minute, don't wash anything. Okay, now wash everything, Lord. You know, like, he just, that's, that was him. I, 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 Jesus must have had a trip with Peter, you know, just trying to, trying to deal with this guy, you know. And I, I so identify, because it's so much like me, you know. i like, Lord, at least you had patience for Peter. You can have patience for me. But wash my hands, wash my head, wash everything. Practically speaking, I'm ending with this. Two realms of receiving. Two realms of receiving. The first realm is from God, okay? The first realm is from God. We have to receive from the Lord. Now look at this. Here's the gospel. Super clear right here in front of us in verse 10. He says, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash, and then he says, except for the feet. We'll get to that in a minute, to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean. Bathed all over. This is receiving from God. Now look at this in John chapter 15, verse 3. And you got to catch this, and you got to meditate on this, and you got to get this inside of your heart. Here's what Jesus says. He says, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So when we move from information and begin to get revelation that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that you are for real, like you really died upon the cross for my sins. Everything that was broken, you came to pay the price for that brokenness and take it all upon yourself so that everything could once again be healed. When we have that kind of understanding and we have that revelation inside of our heart, the word that he has spoken to us, it has made us clean. It has transformed us. How many of you know that the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? That everything that was old has now become new. We are a new creation. That is such a humbling and hard thing to do because we think that we got to put something into that equation to really make it fully complete, right? If I just read my Bible more, if I just go to church, if I just do the right thing, and I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad, but we have to really meditate on the fact that Christ paid for everything, and if we could just receive that by faith, Everything in us would be made new. Everything would be washed clean. It's a powerful thought. But unless we get it, we will be manipulated by fear, and we will try to appease that idol of fear with religious action. And it will not bode well for the church. 
The gates that Jesus is setting up around the church are the gates of his grace, the gates of his divine enablement, the gates of his empowerment. And we have to live inside of that space. But just so we don't get super spiritual and off and in some weird stuff, he says something very interesting. He says, he says there's, there's one area that you need to have other people that you receive from. Because he says there's one part of you that, that needs to be washed, and it's the feet. Now, you remember when, when Jesus, and I'm wrapping up with this, remember when he's, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, you guys have it like all looking good on the outside, but I'm after the inside, and you're just worried about everything on the exterior. There's, there's this outside veneer that you're trying to, trying to get all cleaned up, but I'm trying to go after the inside of the heart which is only transformation transformed by the revelation of Jesus being the Messiah, the Son of the living God, understanding who he was so we can understand who we are in him, okay? But there's this, this thing here that Jesus says, a person who's been bathed all over does not need to wash. He's received from God except for the feet. We have to be able to receive from other people. What is he talking about here? Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 14, And since I, your Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. My wife, I mean, we're both clean freaks, but she, she gets on me for this. Every time I walk in the house, the first thing that she says, take your shoes off. You know? And the reason she does is because we, you know, we, we go on these walks and we're all over the place and, and she's picturing all the different things that my shoes have been exposed to outside of the environment of the beautiful perfection of my home, which is clean inside. And it's, it's really an intense thought. Like if you really probably did a swab on the bottom of our shoes, you'd be disgusted by what has attached itself to the bottom of, of our feet. In fact, when we were in China, culturally over there, like you, you do not wear any shoes, even on the inside of the door. Like we walk on the inside, then we take our shoes off. In China, you don't, you take everything off at the, at the door. And back in the day of Jesus, when, when he was washing these disciples' feet, the reason Peter didn't want him to come and wash his feet as a friend is their feet were disgusting. Like it wasn't like today, they didn't have paved roads or anything like that. I mean, they would walk through who God only knows what. I don't even want to go into it or think about it. But Jesus was humbling himself on the lowest of levels and saying, hey, you know, you've been made clean on the inside because of the word that I've spoken. When you understand who I am and then understand who you, you are, you are totally clean. But here's the deal. You're going to walk through some stuff in life that you better have some friends there after you walk through the stuff that you walk through. And here's what the enemy tries to do, and I'm going to end with this because somebody needs to hear this. What happens is when we walk through things in life and our feet get a little dirty, the enemy tries to shame and condemn us and tell us that's who you really are. Because we're in process. We're in process becoming the manifestation of Jesus in the earth in every single way. But how many of you, you walk through some stuff and you're like, you're like me, you're like, you're like Peter, like, ah, like, why did I do that? Or what, man, I made a mistake there. I shouldn't have went this direction. That, that dirt gets on the outside of our feet. It doesn't mean that that's a part of us or that's who we really are. It's just the reality of the things that we've walked through. And that's when we need friends in our life 
that we will allow into that space to take the dirtiness of our feet that we, and the journey that we just went through and clean that stuff off and begin to remind us who we truly really are. And here's what happens in religion, man. Shame and condemnation comes over and you're like, I'm not going to say this to anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody about this. I'm not going to talk about this to no one. I'm not going to explain how I'm really feeling. I'm not going to explain what's really going on. And that's the biggest trap of the enemy because we get isolated. And then the shame and the, and the condemnation begins to work overtime on the inside of our hearts and in our minds. And then we become powerless in the midst of that place. Receiving from someone else. And I think this is where as friends we can look at each other as we walk through the journeys of life and some of that dust or some of that dirt or some of that grime gets on our feet and we can go to one another and wash one another's feet and remind them, hey, you were called to bear great fruit. Like don't let any of this hinder your ultimate destiny. Abide in the Lord. Don't drift Don't let the culture that's... Listen, we are in a culture war today. That's what this is about. The culture of this world against the culture of the kingdom of God. And there is no compromise in it. Really, there isn't. We're not called to be like the world. We're not called to even take some of the world into the church and then, and then just kind of, you know, be, be relevant to that way. No, we're supposed to be relevant with our love. We're supposed to be relevant with, with just the simplicity of our lives going out and giving ourselves to people, but not being relevant to become like what everybody else is like. That's super confusing. People are like, wait a minute, you guys are just like we are. I was talking to, talk, or talking to someone the other day that, that, was, that was, you know, studying all these different kinds of religions and all these different kinds of schools of thought, and, and they got super depressed at the end of them because they found out that, that the psychologist or the, or the, or the, the, the new ager or the, you know, or the, the Buddhist, they, they were just as lost as they were. They had no answers. They still had no revelation that God had sent his son to come and make everything that was broken in the world right again, and that there was actually hope. So here's my question. Do you have one person that you could go to and you could say, hey, I need you right now? Or is it the DNA of, in each of our hearts that we're going to people on a regular basis because we know that people are just walking through the reality of life and we're sitting with that friend and we take off the towel, so to speak, and we pull out the basin and we get in that moment where we need to remind that person who they really were and who they really are and what they're really called to do and break all that shame, break all that, con- get that dirt and that stuff that was never a part of them on the inside because of what Christ has already done and remind them and be that advocate like Jesus is that advocate for us right now before the throne. Could we pray and we close and we'll get out of this, this room tonight? Lord, thank you for every single heart in this place. Thank you that we're not going to move into religious spaces and throw lives off of cliffs 
to appease fear in the earth. We're going to walk in perfect love that showed up on the planet and called himself Jesus that casts out all fear from our lives. Thank you that you came to the earth to create a completely different culture than the one that you found it in under the shadow of death. Lord, please help us to move from information to revelation. Root and ground each of us in our identity and who we truly are and the understanding that we have been made clean on the inside because of the gospel. Any religious striving, go, leave. Any effort to perfect righteousness in ourselves apart from what you have done, God, let that fall down and crash to the ground. Let us rest in the reality of the blood of Jesus that cleansed us from all iniquity. And then cut off isolation from others that we're called to receive from in this life. And Lord, let us be those advocates as well that will go out after we've received from God and received from others and do the same to other people. Lord, so many even people living in West Palm Beach just so living in a world that looks so beautiful on the outside, yet on the inside they're miserable. They're struggling with panic and fear and anxiety, performance. We ask for you to break into our region, Lord, break into West Palm Beach in power. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Here's what we're going to do as we dismiss. We have some ministry teams that are going to come up and just be here. If any of you guys need prayer and you're just like, man, I'm struggling in that place. Um, you know, what you said tonight really resonated. Come up and get some prayer for that. If you have anything going on in your body where you need healing, we want to pray for that as well. If you don't know Jesus, if there's something um, that I said about this relationship that you can have with God, we want to introduce him to you as well. That'd be amazing. Come up and hang with us. And we'll be right back here first Sunday in October. We'd love to have you here with us. And then also on the website, harborchurch.org, harbor spelled H-A-R-B-O-U-R, we have all of the small groups. Call up a small group leader. Say, hey, I want to come and check out your group. We have some amazing, amazing leaders that you're just going to love, love, love what's happening in those groups, okay? God bless you guys. Have a rest of your weekend and enjoy Labor Day tomorrow. Thanks for coming out tonight.